Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 344 on Tuesday, the 21st of July, 2020. Hello, I'm Andrew. Hello, I'm Richard. And in a week where the kids are rebelling at a full 12 miles per hour, we'll be asking if TfL has a case to answer over congestion charges. We talk about Wales' possible foot-shooting intent over the car. And we unfortunately have to discuss a stupid name. But first we have... A little bit of follow-up, and we're going to start with our old favourite, Dieselgate. Hooray! But this time, some some good news for somebody from, or ex-Volkswagen, Oliver Schmidt, who you will remember, went to Florida and was arrested <laughs> in Florida because the US government realised he was there, was arrested and then had to make a plea bargain of seven years in prison and find the full $400,000 over his part in Dieselgate. He has been permitted to uh, return back to Germany to finish off the last two years of his prison sentence there. Uh, there's no more details like when that's going to happen or anything, but as soon as he's back in Germany's custody, it's going to be up to them to sort it out. I, you know, Effectively, I'm not surprised at this. America got what they wanted out of it, which was a big flashy show of holding people to account and finding them the maximum so mm -hmm. five years though five years it's still going on yeah yeah amazing but you've got some uh, vw follow-up for us as well yes following last week's story about christian singer being deposed as software chief volkswagen has shifted the development of its software from Wolfsburg to ingolstadt which is where audi is based mm -hmm. for audi to continue the development Singer will be replaced by Dirk Hilgenberg, who is former senior vice president of manufacturing and engineering at BMW. So we give him, what, six months, as he's not from mm. 57 million years from within <laughs> VW itself, and that is the only way to go. Quite possibly, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know Volkswagen does want a, a full OS. I think they called it Volkswagen OS system for the whole group. So this will speed up that development hopefully yeah they're they're finding that software's not that easy i think mm. um but but as you say they they do want an they do want a common software to underpin everything from from across their their group so well good luck to them and please don't just cut and paste from github <laughs> right i mentioned in the intro that some teenagers were rebelling against whatever you got and this time it happens to be about where you can ride one of the new trialing e-scooters in the tees valley and uh it is that two were <laughs> escorted from the a19 where they were doing the maximum 12 miles an hour that these e-scooters can do on a 70 mile an hour dual carriageway, which must have been eye-opening for everyone. Mm, a bit scary, I'd have thought. <laughs> yeah, I presume that there's some sort of hard shoulder. I, I can't remember the A19, and I am hoping they were there. The quote from Mayor Ben Houchen, who has been really positive and energetic about this whole thing he quotes uh, nobody would dream of cycling or riding a skateboard on a motorway but it would seem that there will always be some idiots that need protecting from themselves and no amount of planning can anticipate such sheer stupidity i would beg to differ i think it would be very easy to predict that some idiot would do that <laughs> not many but somebody would <laughs> well it kind of sums up the country at the moment i think but anyway 
Yes, common sense, etc. <laughs> But one of the more interesting, or the interesting point out of this is not that we've got a nation with idiots in it, but that is the fact that they, whilst they were, the teenagers were removed and the rules of the e-scooter trial and you renting one of these e-scooters is that you're not allowed to go on roads where there is a speed limit over 40 mile an hour. People are questioning, did they actually break any legislation? Now, the only thing I could think of was the minimum speed requirements. If it was a dual carriageway, though, I don't think that comes in. It's motorways, isn't it, that you've got to be above a certain speed. I'm not entirely sure. I.e. don't allow tractors on. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure, to be honest, but I mean, even even ridden on roads with speed limits below 40 miles an hour seems a little bit questionable. But. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, it really hammers home something that cyclists have been campaigning for ages is to get dedicated routes for them away from motorised vehicles, which is is eminently sensible mm. as long as they go where people need to cycle. Uh, yeah. it's, it's the whole, it, the car is no longer the king of the road, other forms of transport. And you know us motorists are in for a bit of a shock with that, but we'll we'll touch more on that in another article later on. But you can bring us some good cheerful news finally. Good cheerful news. Uh, production will restart at Vauxhall's Ellesmere Port site on the seventeenth of August. Um, and it's well done. And it's well done, Vauxhall. <laughs> well done, everybody in PSA to make this happen. They are satisfied, or the company has satisfied all the unions all the health and safety protocols and production will restart of the Astra yeah, in August. They've got something like 100 measures that they have to do or they have to have in place and follow to make sure that people can safely get around and work. So one, I'm, I'm happy that they can do this, but two, it's heartening to see that there is enough demand for the Astra, for PSA and Vauxhall to go to this effort to do it because that was the real fear. Uh, and PSA have not hidden behind the fact that demand for the Astra is the only thing that's keeping Ellesmere Port going right mm-hmm. now. So that has to that has to remain. That's good, positive news in what seems to be a time of not so happy news. Yeah, yeah. Generally, <laughs> apologies everyone for this week. There's nothing we can do. We can't we can't make up happy news. <laughs> it's just good, sensible things like temperature checking and obviously PPE and stuff like that, and safe distances. So Yeah, just hopefully that people stick to it and they don't get spikes or anything. No. Like so. Connected with COVID-19 carrying on along these lines is the news that the DVLA has warned motorists that using its services, there's going to be continuing delays. This is particularly aimed at people who are putting in paper applications for licenses or changing of vehicle registrations and for trying to get road tax funding back. There are electronic versions or or routes to do this, which they are really pushing everyone to try uh, and use, and you will get a quicker response to that. As with everywhere, only so many people can be in the building at the same time because space requirements and things like that, So, and that's without people being ill. Or we do, I don't know how many people are actually furloughed at DVLA, no. uh, if anyone. That may be a major factor as well. Mm. I mean, to be fair, I've I've used I always use the online services part, and it always seems to be 
well, hassle-free. I was going to say fairly hassle-free, but hassle-free, I think. TVLA's online presence is pretty good, and it's it's written in plain English. Alan and I have harped on many times about how it's actually it's pretty good to use mm. Uh, mm. when it comes, particularly as it comes to a public sector websites. Even though they are they are getting better. Yes, I've got to renew my driving license. Oh, I can do that online. That's good because it runs out in September, so I need to be doing it pretty quickly. Yes, start start the process now. <laughs> Anticipating a delay. <laughs> it might be might be tricky for you to uh, try cars. Otherwise, I have greatly appreciated looking at the car in the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had a run recently, but yeah, we've not driven very far even with that. So yeah. Take us through a bit more help for car finance customers. Yes, yeah, still COVID-related. Um, the Financial Con- Financial Conduct Authority has announced that there's going to be a further three-month package of support for motorists with car finance, uh, and that's on this story by Motor Research. Um, and it follows on from the organisation's package that it officially announced in April which was a a three-month payment freeze. Mm. And the guidelines say that car finance companies should automatically contact customers who have already taken out a payment freeze, asking if they can resume payments. And then if they can't do that, they should then work out a plan on how the missed payments can be made. Yeah, and and the whole thing is it's not supposed to penalise your your credit rating or to to be thought of uh, putting you in a bad light on, on that side of things either. Because still so many people are furloughed, mm, mm. even though we are beginning to slowly go back to work. So many people are still furloughed. So uh, the car payment is usually the second biggest that one has. Yes. So it's it's good to see that's being uh, that's being put in place. Extensions can be requested up till the 31st of October. Yeah. I think that ties in with the mortgage mm. type stuff as well. So they're, they're all they're running concurrently. So that's good to see that there appears to be some joined upness indeed somewhere (laughs) right i'm going to carry on on the covid and this time is the news in northamptonshire that health bosses are linking car sharing to a rise in covid19 cases in northampton and kettering surprise surprise if you are stuck in a small metal box with someone else then there is a chance that you will breathe in their air and if they happen to be unwell you will be unwell none of those little Metal boxes are Yaris's, are they, with our learned friend in them? <laughs> no, he doesn't share with anyone. <laughs> doesn't share anything with anyone. <laughs> that doesn't sound that surprising. No. I have to say. Um, but this also sort of makes me worried. And, and the thing I can't quite get my head around with the learner drivers or the driving instructors. Yeah, that's true. I don't understand how you can be safe. Okay, they're talking about driving with windows open and stuff like that. But mm. And I know people need to get back to work, and I, I, I'm not trying to stop people earning money. I, underst- I do Trust me, I do understand that you need to earn money. <laughs> but it's such an enclosed small space that you can't help but that happen, even with wiping things down and stuff like that. So... Mm. I would have thought if if we're being told that we have to wear face masks in shops from Monday. Friday, I think, isn't it? Uh yes, sorry, Friday, 24th, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've got I've got my days wrong uh, mixed up. 
So from Friday the 24th. I saw the other day our office at home looks out onto the main road and there was a driving school car pulled in just outside the house and they did a drive swap. And one of the two of them were, was certainly wearing a mask. Um, I don't think both of them were. I would presume the instructor would be wearing a mask. Yeah, and I would imagine he would wipe down stuff because that's, again, where it all gets a bit complicated. Yeah. Um, but I'd imagine this is happening in other places too, not just Northampton. How much car sharing goes on? I mean, I don't, I, that's something I don't know. And I, don't, I think that's probably very tricky for to get a figure on that, really an accurate figure. Mm. So, it, but it, but it does highlight the need to be wearing, you know, as is mandatory, wearing face masks on public transport, mm. even though not everybody is. No stuff. So, so just wear your masks, stay safe. Just seems sensible. Yes, indeed. Right, take us into London then. Talking of public transport. Well, I say staying with public transport. Transport for London faces a legal challenge over punitive rising congestion charge this, this has been called out by Fairfield UK and the Alliance of British Drivers who is seeking to legally challenge the Mayor of London and Transport for London over its temporary 31% hike in the London congestion charge because they were both suspended or the congestion charge and the ultra low emission zone were both suspended on 23rd of March to help key workers when it was reinstated the congestion charge was increased by 31% as part of bailout yeah that's a bit misleading the way that that has been put in uh, fleet world because uh, that increase doesn't happen until didn't happen until partway through july i think it was and the other point to that was as well is the amount of the increase was an increase was part of the conditions but how much that increase was was down to Transport for London and the Mayor of London. Mm, mm. Sorry, it's June. Yeah, June. 22nd of yeah, June. £11.50 to £15. Yeah, and it's the temporary, even though there's no end date given to temporary, is <laughs> the other thing I think people are finding pretty hard to swallow. And it's also seven days a week now, rather than five yep. as it was before. And 7am to 10pm. Nice. Even though it's not great to go on public transport, even if you are masked up, they don't want you driving in there. You have to fly. <laughs> uh, yes, something like that, and then walk everywhere. Uh, but but on that on that front, uh, Transport for London have a new boss, Andy Byford, and he's got a um, he's got an interview in the Evening Standard from a couple of weeks ago, or a week or so ago, and he is asked about what his aims are for Transport for London. And what he's being brought in to do, uh, and it's it's interesting to see if you happen to need to go into London, or you live in London and have to travel round. But what is very clear is they don't want cars. Just reiterating from that congestion zone, they don't want private cars going through London. They they want people to be using the public transport system as much as mm. possible. I wonder if that's why he admits he can't drive a car and has no plans to learn. Apparently. Yeah, that, that doesn't help. Yeah, it, it, and he sort of, in a very almost politician way, said, "But of course, I know of cars. Almost, we've we've used one so twice a car when my wife has hired one. But no, we don't use cars. I mean, I like, I like, I do agree with him that he says that he uses public transport in London mm-hmm. because how else will you know what the the problems are or what what they do well? And I totally agree with that attitude, but." 
uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad I don't have to travel into London, and I'm glad I don't have a car in London because yes. you're just a pariah. <laughs> yes, yes, I've done both, and yeah, it's it's not nice. No, well, talking of places that don't really like cars, and it would appear Wales is now moving into that territory. A report has been released about the decarbonisation of transport from the Economy, Infrastructure and Skills Committee. And uh, essentially, they don't want people using a private car. The car is grudgingly mentioned once or twice, and EVs are just about mentioned. They make it clear that they want to encourage safe, active travel and discourage private car use, whether that's EV or non-EV. And they talk a lot about public transport and they talk about community transport as well, which was a lot of Wales has because they don't have public transport links. So communities have had to bandy together to to get minibuses together and stuff like that. So they do talk about that. But if you're in Wales, I would thoroughly recommend you click on the link in the show notes to have a read through the, the report and the recommendations they are making to the uh, Welsh Parliament. doesn't. Uh, this is the first of one of these decarbonising things to come out. I mean, I know the Department of Transport have released a quite a high-level one, a white paper for England, mm-hmm. but they're basically all going this way. The anti-car narrative now has has got that much momentum that it's... I I do almost feel like the battle is lost, (laughs) I have to say. It's very Mm. depressing to read. And whilst I understand we need to be cleaner and better at what we do and choose the right form of transport for what we're trying to achieve, the anti-car narrative is so strong that you do feel somewhat victimised, I have to say. I mean, just flicking through it, there's, there's mention of electric or electrified buses and things but you know, the fact they have large batteries and the charging infrastructure isn't up to scratch anything else so i mean they do quote from from an expert whose name i can't remember just at the minute but they do quote where they were they were asking should should cars be full ev or will fevs be okay which which way should people be encouraged to go and the expert quite rightly says well for a lot of whales they live in rural areas mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we uh, and it would be sensible to encourage people to take the first step which is to go a fev because whilst they're out of an urban area they use the combustion engine but when they come into urban areas and and implementing electric only sectors in towns and cities mm-hmm. of wales would be a good thing because then people can switch to just electric only in their vehicle yeah. And that that would be a sensible way to go, and it get, and it helps people get used to that form of transport, yeah, or powertrain, yeah, yeah, exactly. So not all of it's bad, but you do have to dig through to get past some of the stuff that is a bit tired now. All sixty three pages of it, if you're a motorist. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you can give us some good news about motorways. If you are a motorist, motorway services operating moto is currently trialling an 8p a litre fuel price reduction at three of its service stations. And if we all start filling up at their, those three fuel stations, the price drop could go nationwide. Do it, people. Do it. <laughs> the trials are running at Frankly Services on the M5 near Birmingham, Lancaster on the M6, and Donington Park on the M1 near Derby. And the company says that the 8p a litre price reduction matches the average price at local filling stations. 
you pointed out before we started talking that yours is actually more expensive. Yeah, they're they're saying because they're saying in this article for Motion Research that unleaded will cost one pound eleven. And diesel costs one pound seventeen, and these are point nines, so that's just to keep them under. Uh, and for near me, it's one pound thirteen for unleaded, which isn't, and that's just regular unleaded. I'm not talking super, super, super lead unleaded <laughs> or anything. So, yeah, uh, I, anything that reduces the what feels like price gouging on motorways in their their petrol stations is a good thing, and. It will save those of us who then look for a petrol station not too far from the motorway. Mm-hmm. It, will, it will save us making that trip now, and we can just stay on the motorways. Yeah, yeah. But just a smidgen of good news. Yeah, and their chief exec's also asking for a cutting VAT from uh, from Rishi uh, that will match the VAT cut for the hospitality sector. So uh, I don't really think that will happen, but no, because they'll they'll harp on about how they've frozen fuel duty for the last however many years it is now seven eight years whatever it is mm. as though they're doing us a massive favor yeah yeah uh, but you've got news of something that doesn't need any fuel at all no it's the electric only van and this time from renault and it, i don't know why this hasn't happened sooner but a renault zoe van is now part of their range their pro plus range it's a cracking idea that because uh particularly for these last mile delivery yeah Ideas. Yeah, and I I was I saw the presentation last week where this was unveiled, and that was one of the areas it was being pitched at. And to be honest, a few of us thought it might be a, an electric traffic, which is the only one I think of their commercial vehicle range that isn't electrified. Um, and I actually looked at my looked at my notes, and when I actually looked at them back, I had put Renault Zoe van exclamation mark because no one was really I don't think expecting it. And we've not seen no. many car-based vans. I mean, the Fiesta is still around. For Corsa was the last one. Yeah. Corsa uh, died a death. That was that was always popular, but it is the Fiesta is the sort of really the only one. Yeah, in the left. um, this is my my geek fact. In Denmark, there's still a Polo van, but that's obviously not sold over here. So, but that that was in effect the same same deal as this. They they've taken out the back seats. Put in a rubber floor and a, a bulkhead. It still has the back doors. Do they black out the windows or something? Yes, the film is put on the windows with special glue that means it can't come off because that's how you get round the tax implications of the HMRC, apparently. Yeah, because that was one of the possible routes for the Jimny to continue to be sold in the UK that we were discussing last oh, okay. week, is to make it a commercial vehicle where they've black out the back windows and remove the back seats. Uh, but as I spotted from the couple that are used locally around mine, the owners have already removed the back seats or folded them flat and use it as a two, two-seater van anyway. <laughs> yes, yes. I think only little people can really get in the back of a chimney. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, this one being based on the Zoe, which is a very nice car anyway. It still does a 245 miles on a single charge. It uses the same 52 kilowatt hour battery, but it has the lower powered R110 motor. And I think from minus the plug-in van grant and excluding VAT, I think it's £19,300. Oh, well, a lot of local, uh, those that can afford it, but localised delivery 
places will hopefully snap those up. Did I see somewhere as well that Renault were going to Renault Nissan were going to tweak their technology so it means that the vehicles would be able to rapid charge more often? I have I have I seen I that don't know. I I've not heard about this one. I think the rapid charge is still extra. I know we now on the car. Yeah, on the car there are rapid charge versions and non rapid charge versions. But I think the van is has the option, so you have to pay extra for it. Yeah. On both the trim levels. Oh well hopefully it's a success and hopefully particularly urban places snap these up and start using them to deliver around. Mm. That would be good. We've got a bit of less good news now, unfortunately. Yeah, sadly. Um and this was had a lot of support last night on, on Twitter. Modern Classics magazine has closed its doors or closed its issues from the 29th of July because Bauer Media has failed to find a buyer for it and and music magazine Q. Yep. So it's closing after four years and 52 issues. The last issue will be out on 29th of July. And that's a real shame because the market for what I guess is often termed young timers, so classic cars from the 80s, 90s and 2000s have, you know, in Europe, there's been magazines covering that market for, for years now. And this was the only one that really properly covered them in the UK. So it's a real shame that it's it's going. I really worry for the magazine, well, for all the car-related industry because mm. oh, it's it's very easy to see advertising budgets getting slashed, etc., if uh, the the recovery of sales doesn't happen or doesn't happen to a level that manufacturers need with everything else, all the other pressures they've got on them in the UK particularly. I mean, we've got unfortunate B word com- still looming at us at the end of the year mm-hmm. that's been pushed to one side a little bit as we've, we're dealing with the pandemic. There's all the, the job losses that we keep hearing, you know, almost daily now from uh, across the country and across sectors, which is, understandable but horrific uh, and then there's going to be the whole paying back all the money that the government has plowed in to keep certain industries and certain companies afloat to keep people furloughed and stuff like that so it's it's just not going to be easy at all and it as seems to be the way it'll be things like training and advertising seem to be where cuts happen first yeah so uh it's it's gonna i think it's gonna get a bit ugly in particularly car wise, yeah, that's uh, it seems to be the case from a lot of us who are kind of working in the industry at the moment. Um, either magazines are on longer, longer print schedules, so two or three issues have gone for you know two months at a time, they've gone by monthly rather than monthly. And yeah. uh, I think it's catch 22 advertising is needed, but if you're not selling the magazine, then that doesn't sell the advertising, so. It is difficult to predict how this is going to go, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been involved with magazines for 20-odd years, and there have been so many calls so many times about print being dead, and so yeah. far it's survived. And I really hope it survives this time as well, because there's still yeah. nothing quite like picking up something physical. Well, yeah, I mean, here, here's the call to everyone who's listening, then. If there is an outlet or a couple of outlets that you can support financially that do give you the ability to support them financially, whether that's buying them, whether that's donations or whatever it is, go and support them. 
otherwise there's a chance they will there's a really high chance they will disappear yeah and then you'll sit there as we've as i've seen you know from the practical uh from the this issue this news item people saying oh so sad never realized they were in trouble oh ah that's not bad spend your cash and then these these aren't problems if you have the cash to spend a lot of the moment do have good subscription deals on so so yeah they're trying to do what they can but i hope this either comes back in some form in the future um and on a on a on a related but more positive note the other bower title car mechanics which i worked on very very briefly about eight years ago has been sold to kelsey media which does a huge positive publish of, of, of car titles so that's good news good but sadly not more yep. classic right i think that takes us to uh roughly the end of the first part um so there it's guilt minute and it's that point in the show where we remind you to think about and consider what the motoring podcast is worth to you if you feel it's worth a small amount of your hard-earned cash then please head to motoringpodcast.com and click on the orange become a patron button if you're already a patron and this is goes especially to the new people as well. Thank you so much for coming along and joining us. Of course, not everyone has the ability to do this. So please don't forget to like, rate and leave feedback via the podcast player of your choice. If you've done all that, then you are superbly wonderful. Thank you. But how about accosting a friend whom you think may enjoy this and telling them about us? And if for some reason you don't actually subscribe to the show, how about doing so for free, making sure that we come to you without the anxiety and worry, which I know besets many, that you will miss out on the next new show. Right, Formula E. And this is the slightly shocking news that uh, Brendan Hartley has immediately, as of last week, left Dragon Formula E. Details are very sketchy. No one's really sure. But Brendan wasn't having the greatest of debut seasons car wasn't fantastic um and then he's got tangled up in a few incidents as well on on track so there was practice in uh diria and then there was the santiago race so that hasn't helped him but his his race engineer jacob andreessen were split from the team um after only the second event in santiago um so I'm not that surprised, but what it does mean is it frees him up for the Spa 24-hour WEC. Mm-hmm. Sorry, six hours of Spa, not 24 hours. The WEC six hours. So he can just concentrate on that because he's in the same team as Nakajima, but there's also Buemi. And if Hartley was still racing in Formula E, he and Buemi were both going to turn up later whilst... Nakajima was going to be doing all the development testing <laughs> on Spa until they arrived. So it means there's two there's two drivers helping out with the development now um, before Buemi turns up after the final Formula E race in Berlin, so he can get there for the second and third practice sessions and qualify. Mm. So that's a bit of a bit of a surprise. Uh, I don't know who they're going to pick because they they've they had a couple of development drivers, but one of them has been. Uh, at the Formula One races, supporting one of the teams there, so I would suggest it's not going to go to him. But we'll we'll keep everyone posted as soon as there are there is more news about that. Mm. WRC, please, Richard. Yes, WRC. It's it's. I don't think it's still officially restarted. Um, the last event was in March, which was Mexico, um, and Rally Estonia is scheduled to go ahead in early September, but there has been comment that 
a lot of the events, as with Formula One a few weeks ago, the first race back will be very unpredictable, even more so than usual, because of all the events being shunted several months down the line. So there will be, at the moment, five events in the space of two months, which is fairly hectic. And they're in you know, as wide a range of places as from, from Estonia to Japan, with virtually everywhere in between. Yeah, because it's going to be different different times of the year, so it's different conditions to what they were expecting yes. initially when the season started yeah. uh, and what all their notes will be about. And then there's the whole tiredness and fatigue affecting teams because they're they're in such a compressed amount of time from from nothing to suddenly get to this although we know that the the drivers have been testing in safe manners isolated and separated and social distancing and all that it is uh well as with everything to do with the the pandemic it's new Mm. and you know wrc didn't need another element of unpredictability no and actually these even though there are five at the moment confirmed or you know softly confirmed events there are potentially two more in belgium and croatia just in case oh are they were they european rally events that they were going to upgrade to wrc quite possibly yes because they've they've never been wrc rounds before so but yeah, you've got places like Germany is normally August and now it would be October. The conditions might have changed a fair bit by then. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to Sardinia in November, you won't need as big a fan as you did when it was, uh, when was it July or June? Yeah, last June year July, yeah. Sardinia. Yeah, so it, <laughs> I think it'll be quite an interesting how it unfolds over the next few months, but that's presuming if it all comes back in, in September. The engineers are going to be seriously earning their pay packets yes. trying to work out yes. <laughs> all the permutations. Indeed. Uh, you found a couple of uh, TV series that might be worth people checking out, though. Yes. The second one, I must admit, I haven't seen, but I'll come on to that. Um, Channel 4 is currently showing a TV series, only five parts, I think, at the moment, about how to build cars. It's called How to Build, and it's basically taking a, a look at inside the factories of various manufacturers. And I believe the five that are featured at the moment are Aston Martin, Bentley, London Electric Vehicle Company and the new electric taxi, Maserati mm-hmm. and Morgan. As it was, or as it is, the one that we've watched has been the taxi one, only because I went to the factory last June for a visit and a quick drive of the car. So that was of interest because I'd, I'd actually been there. So we knew a little bit about Haven't it. Haven't they started trialling the van? Yes. That's based yeah. on, the, yeah. on the taxi. Yeah, that was that was actually there last year when we went. There were some camouflage ones there and we couldn't take any photos, but that's in trials now, I think. Yeah, that looks like, you know, we were talking about the Zoe just before, but that looks a cracking idea for a, a, an urban van, particularly with the, the fact that it's so manoeuvrable. Yeah, yeah, again, very simple and... A simple idea, but yeah, it should work quite well. But that what, and economies of scale will help. Yes, yes. And what was interesting there too is the fact that a lot of the taxi is almost all of it is bonded. There's not an awful lot of welding going on. Okay, which was quite interesting. Uh, but the second program is Richard Morgan, who runs Electric Classic Cars, I believe, is is in a series called Vintage Voltage on Quest, which covers him and his chums building 
electric classic cars or taking classics and making them electric, which we've seen for two or three years now. Yeah. And it could be the way forward for, for some older cars to go. Yeah, that one I've not seen yet, but it's on my list to watch. Yeah, but no, it does look interesting. But knowing that Quest is, is home to Paul Cowland and Drew Pritchard and people like that, you know, it should be, I'd imagine, a good a good thing. Yeah, TV's Paul Cowland. Yes. You must, you yes, must always TV use his full them. title. <laughs> 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 no, good spots, though. So I'm gonna, uh, I'd, uh, I'd seen a little bit of the Bentley uh, Channel 4 one, but I haven't seen that, that one off Quest, so I will check that one out. Right, I'm going to take us to the lunchtime read. And this was in Autocar last week, I believe it was. But is the best UK roads for car tuning according to chassis experts. So Autocar has hunted out uh, and sought out, it was a couple of weeks ago actually, the vehicle dynamic specialists from various manufacturers, including uh, David Pook, who was a guest on Rear View and is an excellent chap. And he's asking them, what are the where are the best roads? Fortunately, they don't mention some of my favourite roads in North Wales, although they get very close. <laughs> For a fee, I can I can let people know what they are, uh, <laughs> and, and they don't involve speed cameras either that have been yeah. fixed. So there is nothing about an Evo or a Triangle on them. <laughs> did we do some of them when we did the Hyundai launch? We were very close. Okay, but it's a cracking read, and it's interesting to see how different people look at it they're, they're generally particularly they're in the same area of what they're looking for mm-hmm. particularly out of a car and a road but they've all got obviously got a different slightly different perspective personal preference so mm. and obviously it's what car they're developing how a bentley handles compared to the jaguar project 8 it's going to be slightly different i'm i'm guessing <laughs> <laughs> having not sat in either of them yet uh, so yeah uh, and matt, matt saunders has done a fantastic job uh hunting these people down and and chatting to them so thoroughly recommend you go and read that one mm, mm. and sticking with auto car it's announced motoring heroes the most inspiring people in the car industry and that's our list of the week this week yep and there are people in this list like richard noble who's done loads of speed record stuff and who did you notice in Colin Chapman was one that particularly stood out for me. Uh, it's it's difficult. This is such a a great list, even though one of the people on the list is perhaps not someone who we like to cover on the motoring podcast very often. Mm-hmm. But they have all had an impact in a positive way, I think, mm-hmm. on the industry. Yeah, and it's it is a, a cracking list. I'm not going to go through anyone else. You you'll have to go through that yourself because I don't want to upset anyone who likes <laughs> to read a list. What's nice is it, which I don't blame. It's you. all it's all modern day and past times people. You know, yeah, so that's good. Yeah, so it's, it's full the big full gambit. Mm. Yep. Right. Oh, I've been trying to put this off, but the and finally. <laughs> Good luck. Oh, dear. Yes, thank you. There's a new, as you put it, a new operatic sci-fi drama coming from the Sci-Fi Channel entitled Stellantis. No, <laughs> unfortunately, that is, or Stellantis, I don't know how to pronounce it properly, but FCA and PSA are merging, as we know, and they have come up with a new name which someone has been paid a lot of money to come up with and and try and come up with a reason why, but Stellantis. And apparently, 
According to the tweet, which will be linked in the show notes from PSA, Group PSA, it is derived from the Latin stello, which is to brighten with stars. And apparently this name evokes the alignment and union of storied automotive brands to create a new mobility leader. Mm. I really didn't want to have to cover this but even though alan's not here he said i had to cover this news <laughs> item i had no choice it's uh, <laughs> and it's certainly an interesting oh, one but as yeah. we were saying before does it mean that you don't refer to group psa anymore or fca and you just say stellantis instead or will they still I, have their former names as well i don't know if if the people from FCA and PSA would like to get in touch with the Motoring Podcast so we can clarify this. It would be greatly appreciated if you uh, either get in touch with me via Twitter or if you want to use our contact page on our website. Feel free, because I don't know the answer to that one. I th- I think it's a very silly name, uh, but whatever. <laughs> How often I'll refer to it, I don't think will be that often. No. It may get tweet along the lines of the rebel alliance whenever we mention them on the podcast mm-hmm. i think it, i think we may motoring podcast eyes this a little bit to make it a bit more palatable yes <laughs> right that is the end of the main bits we're just going to do a couple of parish notes as you've hopefully spotted alan isn't here this week but Next week, there won't be a show coming out from us. Alan and I, unfortunately, will not be anywhere near an internet in any shape or form that will allow us to record anything and publish it. So apologies for that, but we'll be back the week after. Even though Alan wasn't here, the Zoom Zoomers still took place. And that was last night, wasn't it, Richard? It was, and we had a friend of the show, Nia Khan on, which is nice see him excellent i'll be making sure i watch that back there is a link in the bottom of the show notes to the latest uh, video that is already up um and as i say no alan so you know added bonus <laughs> uh, there um and all that does really is leave me to say that don't forget that between now and next week you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at motoring podcast on twitter and instagram it is also on the book of face and on you can get in touch via the contact page of the motoringpodcast.com the hub of all our activities remember that we do have our patreon offer and also if you could leave ratings and review on apple podcast or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing Richard, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? The best way for people to get in touch with me is Twitter, where I am at richgoodingcom. Okie doke. And the best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter as well. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you'll find me there. And if you want to get in touch with Alan and ask him where on earth he is, then you can get in touch with him via Twitter, where he is at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Even I can remember to spell it, Alan, not even if you don't. We'll be back soon, but until then, I've been Andrew Clues. I've not been Anna Bradley. And safe motoring.